All right, it's time for us to get started. I do want to go ahead and encourage anyone that might need to partake of the Lord's Supper tonight. If you didn't have the opportunity to do so this morning, if you'll go ahead right now to the little chapel, uh, you can be served. Also, before I get started, I've got the trophies for those that missed out on the first handout. I ran out and, uh, well, I gave one to everybody that was here that night, but we had a two or three extras. So everybody's got one right now of that first trophy. I believe we're in good shape. And parents, if you think you're... Here, 
Glory. Yeah, that's what this trophy here is about. Right. So, Boodle has. Yes, Jesus called them, and they all followed him. We're talking about 
creation. <laughs> One of the elders is confusing y'all, isn't he? Right? <laughs> I read about the creation where? Genesis 1. I read about the flood in. Wow. Sodom and Gomorrah. Joseph sold by his brother. Man, you're on fire tonight, aren't you? All right, the plagues. The plagues. Exodus 7 through 12. That's close. Ten Commandments. Exodus 20. That's exactly right. Hannah. Hannah. You're going to have a top of your head. You've been studying this? Are you? Wow. It's not a sheet. He didn't see the sheet. Wow, that's great. All right. David fights the lie. First Samuel. 17. 17. All right, we'll stop right there, okay? Wow. You make straight A's to school? You make straight A's? No. You need to listen to the last question, all right? And you make straight A's. All right. What's true success in life? Living your life, going to heaven, and going to What's true failure in life? Living your life, going to heaven, and going to Okay, what's God's idea for marriage? tonight and I know we're missing some kids tonight I don't know what that's going to mean for our adults but we are glad that you're here especially uh, if you're visiting with us uh, you are honored guest and we hope you'll come back anytime that you can I do have some announcements or updates that I just want to remind you of tonight is our teacher appreciation night uh, if you've taught here uh, and you're you and your spouse you are welcome to stay tonight following our service in the annex it'll be hosted by salt team one tuesday night it's not look promising as far as the weather but if the parade goes on we'll be serving uh hot cocoa and cookies on tuesday night i want to remind the golden circle of our last luncheon of the year this coming tuesday at 11:30. and also if you would like to remember a loved one during the holidays uh, with a contribution to one of our ministries uh, there's a place uh, in the foyer for you to uh, place that if you desire. Also remember our food pantry. Uh, if you want to bring mac and cheese, it would be much appreciated and we'll be working in the food pantry uh, this coming Thursday as well as the following Thursday. Uh, before we uh, have a prayer, I have a statement I want to read from Sister Pat Gray. And we appreciate so much her sincerity and honesty in making this statement. 
I'm afraid that I have failed to... Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Bring them back to life, Good to see everybody here tonight. Uh, Ken is out of town. He's uh, preaching over at Bethel uh, Church of Christ over in Athens, Alabama. 
And so uh, he asked me to go ahead and take the class tonight, and I look forward to any opportunity uh, I might have. Uh, of course, our topic is leadership, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, as we begin, I want us to have a word of prayer, and uh, let's uh, think about those that we know that are sick, those that we know that have mentioned, those that may not be known by other people, and we want to certainly remember all those that need our prayers, and I think it's good for us as well to, to reach out to uh, folks that are under the weather, those that are having bad health, maybe with a card or a text, an email, a phone call, whatever it may be. Those kinds of things are very, very encouraging and they, they mean a lot uh, when people receive them. So let's go to God in prayer to begin with tonight. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the day. We're thankful for all blessings that you give us. Father, we are mindful of so many that we know on our sick list tonight, those that need our prayers, some who may be terminal, others who are just going through various physical ailments. And we pray, Father, that uh, you would be with them. You know their needs. And we pray for those that are seeing after their needs. And we pray that everything that can be done will be done so that they can be restored to their health. And Father, we're always mindful of those who continue to grieve over the loss of loved ones. It just seems like particularly at this time of the year, it's more difficult. But Father, please strengthen those who are are grieving over their losses at this time. Father, may they look to you for the strength and consolation that they need. Father, bless us tonight as we study about leadership. May we understand our own personal responsibilities to let our light shine and be a shining light in this community. Go with us in our study tonight, Father, and forgive us of our sins. In your son's name we pray, amen. All right, we're talking about leaders tonight, and I was thinking about elders. Y'all know churches over in Germany, y'all know what they call their shepherds or elders, don't you? Are y'all aware of that? Did y'all know that? Uh, they call them German shepherds over there. I don't know if you knew that or not. So anyhow, all right. Uh, as we get started tonight, I asked the question when I taught last time, who will be the elders here in 2000 and let's say 73? Who are going to be our elders? Well, I think it depends a lot on what we do right now to lay the foundation. Now, if you're a man here especially, and I think all of us, even women can lead in many ways, right? Uh, the Bible talks about how the older women are to teach the younger women. I think about the great value that women have in teaching our children. Uh, I personally believe that the most faithful people in the church are women. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do anything hardly if it weren't for the faithfulness of, of women in the church. But as we think about church leadership, as a man in particular, knowing the importance of leadership... Are you willing to step up and do what it takes to become a leader yourself? Uh, I'll use my son again, an illustration. I remember, you know, he, he wanted to be in the Marine since he was 14. He started preparing himself way back then. But I can remember when he graduated, he was fixing to go off to Auburn, the ROTC there, to make his way and graduate and be an officer. I mean, 
Of course, my son, he's, he's kind of like me. He worries about every little thing, you know. There's no way I can do all this requires. And I always told him, you know, we try to tell him, hey, you don't go in there the first day and you're ready to become a leader. You've got to learn that, right? There's things you've got to learn. And, you know, over time, you'll be able to do everything that is required of you. And that certainly has happened. And I think sometimes we may say to ourselves, some men may say to themselves, I've never done that. I don't think I could ever do that for whatever reason. You're selling yourself short. And I think you're selling what God can do with you short as well. And so if you're a man here, I would like for you specifically to think about what it would take for you to step up and be a leader. And if you don't do it, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it if you don't do it? I think uh, that'll answer the question about what's going to be here down the road. I think we've got some younger men that are fine Christian individuals, uh, qualified in many ways. And certainly as we talk about experience tonight and how to get experience, you, you will be one that is capable of becoming a future elder in this church. But as I taught last time, you've got to have the desire to do that. You've got to want to make a difference. You've got to step up. And so I want to, want to know who's that going to be? Is that going to be you? Or are you going to try to pawn that off to somebody else? Somebody's got to step up. Uh, you know, if, if you're a, a, a young, younger man and maybe somewhere down the road you might want to be an elder, I would encourage you to talk to our elders and say, I would like to work toward that goal. You know, someday down the road, if the Lord needs me here, if the church needs me here, I might like to serve in that position. And, you know, you can prepare yourself uh, toward that particular goal. But, you know, serving as an elder requires complete unselfishness. Uh, one of the most burdensome responsibilities on this earth is the work of being an elder. It's more burdensome than the president of the United States. It's a very burdensome position, but it's one that's needed. And it takes focus. It takes desire. Uh, it takes a servant mentality. And if you want to do that, if you want to make a difference in people's lives, then you are needed. And don't ever sell yourself short that you can't accomplish that, that you can't do that. Because none of us are perfect. None of us have all the answers. And uh, the Lord needs us. The church needs you as well. Now, what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes is that leaders must have experience. And we're going to introduce that tonight by looking at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. Now, again, I know this class is a little bit different from maybe other classes since we're all in here together, but I, I cherish your comments. I hope you'll make comments if you want to make some if you want to ask questions, make observations, you can just interrupt me or raise your hand or whatever. Uh, I would love to hear what you have to say and, and your input. A lot of you are much wiser than I am. You know more than I do. So please feel free to make an observation. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6, there in the context talking about the qualification of elders, the Bible says he's not to be a novice. Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. 
Now, the word in the original language here for novice literally means newly planted. In other words, it refers to a new convert. One who is a new convert is not a very good and wise choice to serve as an elder. Now, if we were to put an elder into the leadership position, into an eldership, maybe he's got a lot of good business sense, he's well thought of in the community, and he's just obeyed the gospel, there's a danger that he might be lifted up with pride, uh, Paul said, and conceit, and thus fall from the grace of God. And when church members put their faith in you, they want to know that you have the experience and the knowledge to set them on the right path. Uh, the position, the office of an elder is important because, you know, members are putting their confidence and their trust in you. You are a shepherd and we are the sheep. And, uh, we expect as members to be guided in a way that is wise, a way that is in accordance to God's will. You know, as a church leader, you're going to use past mistakes that maybe have been made to develop better plans for your congregation. Now, the Bible does not tell us how long a man has to be a Christian before he's no longer classified as a new convert. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with a person's spiritual growth. Some people can mature somewhat rapidly in a spiritual way. Sadly, some can be Christians for years and really have never made much progress in their spiritual lives. And so, you know, the idea of being a new convert depends on the individual. It depends on the maturity that that individual grows and possesses. And experience is not determined by counting one year, one's years of discipleship. Uh, experience is a fluid attribute that best reveals itself in the level of spiritual uh, discernment that is attained. It's maturity. And I think it ought to be obvious to members of the church if a potential leader is one of Maturity, uh, maturity in how he behaves, maturity in the decisions that are made, and so forth. And although the heart of leadership, according to scriptures, being a servant, remember Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, it shall not be so among you. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your what? Servant. That's how you are considered great in the Lord's kingdom. Now, earthly kingdoms may be different from that, but in the Lord's kingdom, those who are the greatest are those that are willing to serve. One that is humble in his approach to serving the Lord. As Jesus on that night took that basin of water and that towel and shocked the daylights out of his disciples when he washed their feet. He was teaching them a lesson, wasn't he? You know, if I, your Lord and master, serve you, then you ought to be willing to serve one another, right? And so uh, certainly leadership involves servanthood, but the Bible also teaches that legitimate leaders have authority. Now, there are some in the church today that teach that, you know, elders can only lead by example. Well, not if the Bible's right. The Bible teaches that we are to obey them that have 
the rule over us because they watch for our souls in the sense of the right to direct others. Now, I said before, no elder in the world has the right to change a matter of doctrine. Elders rule in matters of judgment. And uh, just like Moses back when he was leading Israel and Miriam and Aaron rejected and rebelled against the authority of Moses, God made them understand that you're rebelling against God. When you rebel against the leadership that I have set up, you're rebelling against me, God said. And uh, that's why we in the church today as sheep need to take our responsibilities uh, toward elders very seriously as well. Uh, that's why when we don't like a decision the elders make, if it's a matter of judgment, you know, I, I think we show what our true heart is when we decide we're just going to leave and go somewhere else. We don't like that, you know, or I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to be a part of it or whatever. Uh, we've got to respect the authority that the elders have set up, uh, that God has set up through the eldership. And that authority comes from God and it's delegated to leaders for the good of the church. Now, basic uh, church leadership competencies include these. Oh, well, we've got that. Okay, we do have a PowerPoint. Good. Uh, a biblical spiritual leader must be empathetic. What's the word empathy mean, somebody? What's the, what's the difference between empathy and sympathy, maybe? Or is there a difference? When you have compassion on somebody, you're kind of feeling for them, aren't you? You know, you feel sorry for them. Empathy is somewhat different. Empathy means that you try to put yourselves in their shoe. You feel what they're feeling. You empathize with them. And an elder, a spiritual leader in any way capacity must have that empathy toward those that he serves. He also is going to be accountable. In fact, the Bible makes it very clear that elders are going to have to give an account and we want them to be able to do it with joy and not with grief. I think transparency is another aspect of the competency that church leaders need to have. Uh, a leader needs to model the truth, model the faith. Uh, he needs to be a person that uh, those of us who are sheep can look at and we try to follow his example in the various situations that we face in this life. We seek out their advice. Also, uh, self-development. One who's a spiritual leader needs to continue to grow. He needs to continue to develop and grow in grace and in knowledge. The Bible talks about how he needs to be able to teach. That doesn't necessarily mean he's teaching all the time, but he ought to be able to teach when he's needed. And then of course, equipping others. Equipping others is one of the things that is vital uh, for a leader in the church. We need to equip others to better serve God. Uh, that means we get as many people as involved as we possibly can. Uh, we try to equip them with the biblical knowledge and the practical knowledge they need uh, to fulfill their Christian obligations. Now, uh, the first point we're going to make tonight is that a leader must be experienced when it comes to spiritual matters. When it comes to spiritual matters, a leader must be experienced. Now, spiritual leaders 
are always classified as having integrity. They have honesty. Uh, they genuinely care for others. Leaders, true leaders, will act to promote uh, someone else's welfare, even though it may be a risk to his own. Now, you think about that for a minute. A leader will promote and look out after somebody else's welfare, even if it means a risk to his own welfare. Uh, that's true, a true sacrificial spirit. Spiritual leadership is knowing uh, where God wants people to be, taking the initiative to use God's methods to get them there in reliance on God's power. The answer to where God wants people is in a spiritual condition. He wants people living a lifestyle that displays glory and honor to the name of God. And an elder will do everything in his power to see that those under his leadership are living the kind of life that would do exactly that. And therefore, the goal of spiritual leadership is that people come to know God. They come to glorify God in all that they do. And I honestly believe that any local church will be about as strong as the leadership in that church. I've known churches that have had weak leadership, weak elders in the church. And the congregation is just about as weak as a result of that. You know, I'm thankful for our elders here. I'm thankful for their strong leadership. In the year that I've been here, I've seen firsthand their concern and their care for people here. Uh, there are things that the average member of the church and even probably myself know absolutely nothing about that they continually do to try to maintain the health and the vitality of this congregation. It's truly a selfless task in so many respects. Uh, that means that his life uh, is a life that can be modeled. It's a life we need to emulate. Now, he has experienced, as we think about this idea tonight, he's experienced a spiritual rebirth from above. We know that when one is converted, he's born of what? Water and the Spirit. The Bible says when one is baptized into Christ, when he comes forth from that water, what is he? He's a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away. All things are made new. And that just simply means that after going through that rebirth, his life has taken on a new purpose. It's taken on a new direction. He's a new creation with new goals and new aims and a new purpose in life. And as a member of a spiritual family, he is responsible to the will of his heavenly father. You know, one who is born again, like Jesus taught there in John chapter three, he is responsible to God the father. Also, when you think about the experience that he has, he is in the spiritual kingdom, the church. That's the realm of his work. That's the realm of his responsibility. And it's because of this particular location that the leader seeks to establish and maintain spiritual priorities. Now I understand that sometimes the church has to be run like a business in some respects, but in other respects, we're a lot different from a business out in this world today. And uh, 
we are a part of a kingdom that's spiritual in nature. And that's why leaders need to make sure that our number one priorities in our work are spiritual in nature. We've got to focus on those things that God wants us to do. And uh, his work is with other members of the spiritual body. He's helping them grow. He's helping them to grow into the likeness of Christ. Uh, elders are responsible for feeding the sheep. He's responsible for what they hear. And uh, that is a great responsibility. And members of the body, you know, have special needs, don't they? We're all different. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27, you know, talk about how they're different members in the body of Christ. You know, some members may say, well, I'm more important because, you know, I'm the hand or the foot or uh, I'm the eye or whatever. Uh, God makes it very clear that all of us are vitally important. And the church just isn't going to function like it should unless every member is doing their part. Right, the most feeble, Luther says, the most feeble members are necessary. That's exactly right. Now, an elder, a leader in the church is going to look at the people. He's going to try to understand where they are in their spiritual walk. He's going to try to understand their particular needs. And he's going to be aware and help them in those particular needs. In other words, as Christians, all of us are to be this way. We're to be other person centered. By other person centered, I mean we are to be focused on other people. It's not just me, myself, and I, and my needs, and my wants, and my desires, and my time. I don't want to be inconvenienced in any way, you know, being selfish. We are to be other person centered. We're always focused on other people. As the Bible says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We are to consider others better than ourselves. And, you know, one fellow said, I don't know anybody better than I am. But uh, the, uh, the point is, even an elder especially... A leader has to be other person centered. We've got to see what the needs are of those that we're trying to serve. And then we need to uh, consider experience because God uh, demands it. Uh, Paul wrote in Romans chapter eight and verse six and following, for to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Two classes of people here, the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. The carnal mind is at odds with God. You know, uh, it makes us uh, opposite of what God wants us to be. We need to be spiritually minded. We need to try to add the fruit of the spirit to our lives. And, and uh, we have the responsibility as leaders to make sure that that's true. Also, don't followers need influence and guidance? What better way to get sheep or people to follow you than to demonstrate to them how you ought to do and how you ought to live? You know, I can certainly hear something that sounds good, but the best sermon I can ever see is one that I watch, right? One that I observe. 
You know, I think about one fellow, the group of young men were talking about which version, you know, they like better. Some said, I like this version of the Bible. Others said, I like that version. Finally, one man spoke up. I, I like my mother's version the best. She lives what she preaches. And I think that's what leaders need to do today. Also, the mission and the outreach of the local church depends upon spiritual men taking the leadership role. What is our one mission in the church today? Luke 19 verse 10 tells us. Okay, the mission of Jesus is our mission, to seek and save the lost. I would add to that what Paul told Timothy as well, that we are to be the pillar and the ground of the truth, right? We are to be the source of the truth. People ought to be able to hear truth uh, from those in the church today. Now, if we don't have the leadership that we ought to have, then we're not going to carry out the Lord's mission. We have to have leadership to make sure that we're doing those things that reach out to our community with the gospel. We have to do those things and leaders have to be watchful that only the truth emanates from this place and not the ideas and the doctrines of men. And so uh, those that live according to the spirit mind the things of the spirit and uh, leaders in the church, elders in particular, must encourage us to do that. Also notice that a leader in regard to experience is to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Who's the head of the church today? Right? Who's the founder of the church? Jesus. I see on television some of these denominational programs and it introduces it by saying, uh, this church was founded by so-and-so, you know, and uh, well, the church that we ought to be a member of today was founded by Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the only head of the church. And how does he dictate to us today? How does he dictate his authority to us? What he wants done? Through his word, all right? Through his inspired apostles, through the written word today. And so an elder is trying all with all of his might, a leader in the church, a teacher is trying with all of his might to follow the example of Jesus Christ. The spiritual king doesn't want carnally minded men to be leading his people. And that can happen in some places. Also, uh, let's look, if you will, at some qualities that denote spiritual leadership. Uh, qualities that denote spiritual maturity. Now, these are some practical things that I hope you'll think about. First of all, one of the qualities is that he knows God. He knows God's will for his life. He's sure about who he follows. He's confident about what he teaches. The Bible says in John 17, verse 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The Bible says, hereby we know that we know him. How? If we keep his commandments. And so a leader, an elder in the church knows in whom he believes because he's continually being guided by the word of God as he studies it. His convictions are firm. His convictions are unwavering. He's not going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. He is well aware of those things that could harm 
the local body here, if those things were allowed to progress and be taught. And a leader stands firm for his convictions regardless of the situation. There's no place for politics in the church today. No place at all for politics. What's right is right, and what's right is what we must stand for. What's right is what we must expect. And then as we think about uh, qualities that denote spiritual maturity, he's going to seek first the kingdom of God, isn't he? Matthew 6, You know, that ought to be obvious to us. We talk about that. We sing about that all the time. What that means is that nothing comes before the church. And uh, sometimes leaders may not put the Lord's church first. I kind of had a shocking thing happen to me. Uh, I met Jody out in California back you know, when I went on a campaign to Northwest in 85, I was staying with one of the elders' families out there in the church. I remember the first Wednesday night we were there. Uh, this is the elders' family, mind you. They had a discussion about whether or not they're going to go to Bible class tonight. I thought, that's the most shocking thing I believe I've ever heard in my life. We never had that discussion in my family one time. We knew where we were going to be on Wednesday night. And here this individual is supposed to be a leader in the church. And they're having a discussion about whether or not they're going to go to, to Bible class. You know, what kind of an example does that set? What does it say about seeking first the kingdom of God? I think about uh, how uh, a young person, a child, came to his Bible class on Sunday morning. He was so excited. He'd never been to church really before. And uh, Miss So-and-So made a profound impression on this young man. He was so excited about his Bible class and he was going to come back on Sunday night as well. And he came and he couldn't wait to, to meet Miss So-and-So on Sunday night outside of class. And he asked, well, where's Miss So-and-So? And somebody explained to him, well, you see, son, she hardly ever comes on Sunday night at all. Well, that little boy never darkened the building again, as far as we know, you see. You know, the example that was set. You know, she, she said, you know, she told me to seek first the kingdom of God. And she wasn't doing it. And so we've got to seek first the kingdom of God if we want to lead our families in the way we ought to lead them. If we're going to lead the church uh, in the way that would be pleasing uh, to God. Now, uh, also, I hope you'll see that. Uh, one of the qualities is he's seeking to have the mind of Christ in everything that he does. What's the mind of Christ? Well, Philippians chapter 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we could go, you know, a, a lot of directions with that. In the context here, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ because he, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant. He humbled himself. He was made in likeness of men. And he became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. That is the context there of having the mind of Jesus Christ. But always we need to think about, you know, what Jesus did. And we hear about those bracelets. What would Jesus, I love, I love to see you out here, you know, sometimes I don't love it, but it, it's, it's almost humorous, but it's not. You know, uh, somebody, I, I see people having that, what would Jesus do bracelet on? Smoking a cigarette, you know, I've seen that. Or I, I've seen, have, have what, what would Jesus do in there? I mean, their mouth is just a, a display, a foul language, you know. They're not thinking about the sentiment of that bracelet, are they? 
You know, better than what would Jesus do, we ought to look at what did Jesus do. That's the best thing to do, isn't it? We know what Jesus did. And uh, we ought to have the mind of Christ. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but what? Christ living in me. Paul said, I look in the mirror. It's not me I see anymore. I see Christ. Paul says, uh, you know, he's grown and matured to the point where he makes every decision as if it's pleasing to Christ. And that needs to be our mindset. Also, he has his mindset on things above. Colossians 3 and verse 1. We're focused on spiritual things, not things that are temporal. Also, he thinks properly. Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We need to think about those things that are virtuous that are described in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. We need to dwell on the good things of God. Also, according to James 1 and verse 22, one quality of, of leadership experience is that he's a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Uh, a leader knows that that's the real test of any hearer. It's what he does, not necessarily what he hears. James talks about one who hears and doesn't do, like looking in a mirror, right? And all of you, you know, in the morning before you go somewhere, you're not going to go like you are, are you? That's, I mean, if you look at, I scare myself in the morning when I look in the mirror, you know, I got to make some changes if at all possible. And all, most of us need to make some changes, you know, uh, in our physical appearance. Well, God's word is that spiritual mirror. We look in it. And we see what we are and we see what we need to be. The question is, are we going to make the changes that we need to make? Also, he's not conformed to the standards of the world. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. A leader can never allow his life to be fashioned according to the pattern of this world. His lifestyle is patterned after Jesus and after righteousness. And then let me say that he seeks to be an example, a pattern for others to follow. What would other people do and how would other people act if they followed our example? You know, Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 9, those things in which you have both learned and seen and heard and me do, and the God of peace will be with you. Could you say that? Could you stand up and tell everybody, hey, live like I live, talk like I talk, dress like I dress, behave like I behave, and God's going to be with you. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? But a leader needs to strive to be able to uh, say that. Also, he is a producer of the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we went over those in Kids Sing tonight. But that's something that is a continual uh, goal that we strive for each day to add these aspects of the Spirit to our lives. And also, he renews his mind daily. All right. Uh, that's difficult as well. The Bible says we are transformed by the renewing of the mind. You know, it's the mind that's the source of our attitude. It's the mind that is the source of our actions. And we need to make sure that we renew our minds, that we're positive about what we can do in the work of the Lord, uh, that we try to make those changes that would cause us to be more like Jesus in our daily lives. Uh, that helps him put on the new man. And then let me mention that he has total faith in God, total and complete faith in God. He trusts God as he leads his people. And I've got a few more things here and I've got eight minutes and I'm not gonna go through them quickly, but I'm gonna go through them. 
Also, his actions are guided by the word of God. When it comes to a test of what's right or wrong, God's word is the guide. You know, uh, when you help people out, a church that's gone through division, uh, Brother Gus Nichols, I think, uh, gave some advice that's very helpful. And I've talked to churches about this as well from time to time. First of all, you know, if you're having strife, a division of the church, you sit down with the different parties and you ask them, do you want to do what's right? Oh, yeah. Are you willing to let the Bible be your guide for what's right? Mm, yeah. Are you willing to do what's right now? That's the key. You know, that's where we overcome our stubbornness. And so we're to be guided by the word of God. Number next, he has a demeanor a gentle and humble spirit in dealings with members of the church. He's not gruff and harsh and hard with brethren. Uh, it's hard for brethren to come across in a way that, you know, makes him angry or mad so that he might lash out. He tries to have a demeanor that's very gentle, just like a shepherd over the sheep. Also, he's a firm believer in the practice of prayer. You know, prayer is vital for the success of any spiritual leader. We need the help of God, uh, particularly in this area. Uh, he prays for wisdom. He prays to know the kind of leader that God wants him to be. Also, he daily denies himself and takes up his cross and follows Christ. An elder truly denies himself. That word deny himself there doesn't mean that we give up something like, I'm going to deny myself of candy this week. The deny is of yourself, not something that you're doing. You have to deny yourself things that I want, uh, what I desire, what I feel. Those have to be put on the back burner. We are to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus Christ. And believe me, great spiritual leaders in the church deny themselves a lot. You know, there's a lot more that elders might like to spend their time doing that might be considered fun, right? You know, but they give up a lot in order to try to lead the church in the way that it should go. Also, he forgives those who have wronged him. He doesn't hold grudges. He doesn't harbor ill will. When somebody speaks a word to him that maybe is sarcastic or maybe is rude or ugly, I've seen members of the church kind of be rude and ugly to an elder uh, he doesn't seek revenge. He doesn't uh, hold grudges. He tries to understand maybe where that person was coming from and why that particular person acted the way they did. That's a real test for any man. And it's only possible through spiritual maturity. Also, he has the assurance of salvation. He maintains his relationship with Christ because he walks in the light as he is in the light. And there's nothing more important for those that lead others to be assured of his own convictions, assured of his own salvation, knowing that he's heading in the right direction and those that follow him will also be headed in that similar direction. He also serves the Lord with his mind, Romans 7 and verse 25. That just simply means that his mind is always focused on God's word his mind is always focused on doing what that word says. And then the last point is, the spiritual leader is a real Christian gentleman who's seeking to be like Jesus. In other words, as 1 Peter 4 and verse 16 says, we are to follow in his steps. 
And a true leader is a gentleman who wants to be like Jesus in every way. Now, as I close tonight, we've got two or three minutes. Churches that are led by true spiritual men are going to be blessed by God as they seek to do his will. And that's very, very important. Uh, a church led by spiritual men will bring many sons and daughters to glory. A spiritual God-honoring church is only developed by the leadership of spiritual men. Leadership is so important. What this church is going to be in 50 years is going to be entirely based on the kind of leadership that we have here. Uh, what our grandchildren and great-grandchildren have here, if they live in this area and attend this church, the church they attend is going to be very similar to the kind of leadership that prevails. And so a spiritual God-honoring church must have strong spiritual leadership. You can't win over the devil with physical, natural force. You can't win over the devil with human influence or scientific skill or money or arguments or threats or promises. It takes spiritual armor on spiritual men and weapons that are provided by God to win the victory. And so leaders must have experience. And that's why I said in the very beginning, some of you today, you may not have ever even considered the idea that I could one day be an elder in the church. Maybe it hasn't seriously crossed your mind. Maybe because, you know, you don't have the experience yet. But I do want to encourage you to think about that in the future. Think about how you can serve God in the future. Don't sell yourself short and say to yourself, I could never be like that. It took Moses 80 years, didn't he? To be ready to lead Israel out of Egypt, 80 years to get ready. So you, just because you're not ready maybe right now doesn't mean you can't be ready when the time comes. All right, any comments? Anything, anybody think y'all want to add or whatever? I have a question. Can I ask a curiosity question? I guess. So what it is. You have to have more than one. The Bible always says there are elders in every church. And what about congregations that don't have elders? Well, according to the uh, idea of spiritual leadership, it would be the men of the congregation that take the lead. Certainly it's not the ideal situation, but you, know, you don't want to put unqualified men as elders. If you are at a church where the men are not qualified yet, it's the men that would meet and get together and make decisions relative to the church. It's not an ideal situation, but sometimes that may be all that you have. Maybe all that you have. Anybody else? Somebody asked a question one night time. What if a preacher, what if you as a preacher move to a church and you find out the elders aren't qualified? And the answer came back, don't unpack. <laughs> So I thought that was funny. <laughs> but anyhow. All right. Anybody else? All right. We'll be dismissed. Thank you.